Hello, sir. Hello. So in this installment, I was going to cover uh, all international players that ever entered the NBA. So uh, do we just have Drew on here, or should I say Uncle Drew? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, international or European? Um, I think we're just sticking with European today. Yeah, let's go uh, European. You said international, yeah. and then I was like, oh, what about uh, Embiid and other people? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like another podcast. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Because I'd probably put Dikimi Mutombo in that one for sure. Like, he's one of my favorite all-time players. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and then you got, obviously, Embiid, Siakam, and a whole bunch of other people. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, um, but some of my favorite players came from Duke. I don't know, you know, ever since Christian Leitner, you know, and now Zion Williamson. Those are some of my favorite players. But So uh, I don't know exactly what you have, but I guess um, I can just start off. I'm just going to go one at a time, and then you can just jump in whenever you want. Okay, sounds good. Okay, uh, one of the first people I got is uh, Drazen Petrovic. Uh, he, he's probably, I would say arguably my favorite player, you know, of in the, you know, cause obviously he passed away because of a really horrific car accident, I think. Yeah, anyway, he, right. yes, car accident and, um, very young and we didn't really get to see him kind of progress. And back then they were building teams around players like they did around Jordan and made them, you know, some of the best. And he, he was just could take over games. He could score 20 points in his sleep. And they never really built anyone around him or even built it. He, he was on the bench most of the time and he barely even played, barely got minutes or opportunities. Um, so I did, I did, I was looking at um, the way, what it was like back when he was playing. Um, he actually had better field goal percentage than uh, Jordan. He actually had better three point percentage than Jordan, which isn't that hard, but he was like a high end scorer. Yeah. <laughs> His nickname yeah. was the Croatian Mozart. <laughs> and, uh, that, I don't know, like, some of the nicknames are really silly. Uh, in a game against uh, Slovenian-UK Union, Olympia, Petrovic scored 112 points. That was on record, which doesn't surprise me. You could tell, like, whenever he shoots, he's, he's not missing. Um, Rasha Nesterovic, the guy who used to be the center for the San Antonio Spurs, um, he played a lot with Tim Duncan. He said 90% of the kids uh, in his country tried to be like him. His hard work inspired lots of kids. That's so, awesome. And he, he played for Portland at first, which was not a good fit, a fit because he was behind Clyde Drexler, I, although they accepted him and were really nice to him. Uh, but he, wasn't, he didn't really um, expand until he went to the Nets. Um, yeah, yeah. He was playing you know, less than 20 minutes a game in Portland. So. Mm. That that's not you're not going to get a good feel for the game when you're playing less than twenty minutes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and he went to New Jersey and he basically averaged like 34, 35 minutes a game. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Drazen's your number one. Yeah. Uh, who's, Drazen's... Your, who's your number one, or should we? Should I just keep? Uh, why don't you do your first five and then I'll do my okay. first five. Okay. Uh, number two, I have Dirk Nowitzki. Um, this, this person is my, um, opinions version of the best power forward ever. Um, he could shoot threes at a high clip. Uh, he could rebound with the best of them 
And at seven foot, uh, he could block the occasional shot. He was construct. Uh, if I was constructing a team of all world, um, an all world team, he would be my starting power forward ten out of ten times. I don't know if over if that, over Tim Duncan over like without even a hesitation, because you know why? Because yes, okay defensively like a Tim Duncan and David Robinson were like a wall and it was really hard to score over them. But um, on the offensive end, Tim Duncan could really only shoot uh, on the inside of the three point line. He wasn't a very dominant outside shooter. So if I'm going to have a team that I want to win, I'd rather Nowitzki bombing threes all day. It'd be almost impossible to beat them. Wow. That's interesting. Cause I, I probably actually definitely put uh, Duncan and Garnett ahead of Nowitzki. If I was making a team. Garnett Garnett is, is, is okay. Um, he's got a good mid, mid, mid good mid range shot and he was very flashy. Um, yeah. And he was exciting too, but um, I, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, more consistency and uh, like Nowitzki was by himself won a championship um, Garnett needed two other superstars to win a championship. Well, uh, if we if we want to dive into that for just ten seconds, uh, Dirk Nowitzki <laughs> had an old Jason Kidd, an old an old ish Sean Marion, an old an old ish Peja Stoyakovich, who we're going to talk yeah. about. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know when you you got Peja, Jason Kidd, and Sean Marion, those are three really really good players. Even though they were older, that's okay. They were still very good. And Jason yeah. Terry was really good too. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, he had some he had some good talent around him, which almost anybody does when they win the title. Yeah. Um, but the the big thing for me, and I've went on record, I think, as saying this already, with Tim Duncan, if he was drafted by the Boston Celtics, he would have been their starting center. And almost any other team who drafted him would have put him as a starting center. So just because he got next to David Robinson and ended up playing power forward, and then consequently uh, the Spurs kept going forward with that, that's the only reason he was a power forward. So like in my mind, he was always kind of a center. And whether he was one of the best of all time uh, is up for debate. Well, I heard on a podcast last year or something, so I might get the numbers wrong, but uh, somebody did like a real deep dive and really good analytics on it. And Tim Duncan was either like 47 or 48% of his career a center, or it was like 53, 54%. It was, so, it was like, it was really close to the 50% mark. I can't remember if it was below or above at this moment, but either way, about half of Tim Duncan's career, he actually was considered to be a center with the lineups that were on the floor. See? Yeah, that makes yeah, more sense. So there, there's that, there's that. Um, but yeah, okay. So my next one um, is another one of my all-time favorite players, uh, Pedro Stoyakovich. Um, yeah, he he probably um, could have had a little bit better team around him. Sacramento were were decent. Um, they never really seemed to have the two or three superstars they needed to really do well. But um, he um, there was no other player I would uh, I want I would take outs uh, I would want taking an outside shot for me more than Pedro Stoyakovich. He could score in spurts, get hot, and really rose to the occasion when the game was on the line. When he got the chance, he showed he could hang with the big dogs. Uh, 20 points per game needed, uh, yeah, just better players around him. I don't know. I mean, arguably Sacramento was pretty good, but then the Lakers were always better. And they just... You know, I'm going to push back a little bit on Peja because he's on my list and I've always liked Peja. 
but you're not going to build a team around Stoyakovich, and you're not going to, yeah, if he could have had better players around him, I see what you're saying, but Peja is somebody you put around other people. You don't put people around Peja. Okay. Um, and the other thing I'll say about Peja is, you know, I really do like him, but uh, he missed one of, like, the biggest threes ever shot in, like, game <laughs> six. In game six against the Lakers when they lost in the Western Conference semis, he bricked, he either bricked it or airballed a three at the end of the game that would have potentially won them the game and took it to game seven or something like that. I can't remember the specifics, but Stoyakovic missed like, you know, one of like the top 10 or maybe even the top five, like biggest threes in NBA history, as far as we know it. Yeah, I, w- I watched that <laughs> shot. I, I watched that shot today and he was usually good at the end of games, but yeah, for that, that game and it would have, I think beat the Lakers or I don't know, but yeah, yeah. it was really, uh, so... I put Tony Kukoc in my mind above him just because of how many clutch shots he hit and, you know, um, yeah, yeah. From a- yeah, well, I definitely don't have Tony Kukoc ahead of him, but I'll explain that to you later. <laughs> okay. So I got next on my list, I got Rick Smith's. Uh, the Duncan Dutchman, which was the worst uh, nickname I think in history, because he didn't dunk very often, and he couldn't—he didn't have much of a vertical, and he—I never really saw him dunk. Honestly, I, you know, he might have had some highlights, but yeah, uh, I, think, drafted- I think that nickname—that nickname was more about throwing shade on him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was a solid basketball player, but he wasn't like he like you like you're saying about Star, but he wasn't somebody you'd build around. I mean. Him and Reggie Miller were two of the best players, but I mean, obviously they never won a title. And, you know, with Reggie Miller being your second or third best player, maybe you could, you could win, but, um, so he was drafted second overall. Uh, he averaged double digits his for every year. He started most of his rookie year. Uh, he was, he was clutch in a game four buzzer beater. Um, that was one of the shots I think with Jordan wasn't around, um, for the Eastern conference finals. Uh, he had lots of foot problems, slowed him down, and he lost to the Lakers in the only time he was to the finals in four games to two. So uh, that's not a bad finals, though. Uh, it's better now than Iverson, who only won one, and everybody thinks he's um, a legend. Um, only only won one what, uh, game? Yeah, when uh, yeah. Iverson I, won I against the he just I don't think Iverson. I don't think Iverson's a legend. And I think a lot of like real basketball heads, when they look at Iverson, they're like, oh my God, he was so gifted offensively. And he did a lot of special things for his size. But anybody that really, really knows basketball knows what a bad teammate he was, what a bad uh, player he was. Like he was so uncoachable. Uh, If you weren't playing Allen Iverson's way, you weren't playing and he basically had a hissy fit. So like, yeah, he, he, I I wouldn't put him in like any kind of legend status, but uh, offensively gifted, amazing, of course. I guess the hard part is if you're looking at LeBron James and you're saying, okay, he's been to the finals, we'll say nine, I think it's nine or 10 times, 10 times, 10 times, then that would put him way up like 10 times the legend of Allen Iverson. And I don't think that's really the case, but it might be. Um, But yeah, Iverson definitely had some gifts, but he, he should have stick with what he did in college with when he played for Thompson, which was get, 20 points, 10 assists, and really get his whole team involved. And he, he went away from that later on and tried to basically be the, the leading scorer, and it never really worked. Um, man, it kind of worked one year, but not really. So anyway, uh, back to back to the Duncan Dutchman. 
he would be he would be my starting center uh, for all my all world team, mostly because of uh, he could he could block shots and play some defense. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about Rick Smith's later, but I'll just say a couple of things while we're on it. He was seven four, and he never averaged more than seven rebounds a game. I think that's pretty pathetic. Um, and as for an all-world team, I would definitely have Sabonis uh, or Marcus All or Pau Gasol, who is more of a four, definitely starting over uh, Smiths. Okay, so that's a, that's a pretty good argument. So Marcus All, I think that is a good that it's not a bad uh, pick. And then also, uh, Ilzunus uh, Sabonis, is that who you're saying? Sabonis, right? Uh, Arvita, Arvita Sabonis would Arvita Sabonis. be a starting center over. Now, Smith. is that when he was in his prime, or is that when he was playing for the Portland uh, That would be team. present day when he's 54 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that, dude, is such, dude, that is like, a great I, answer. I, I, I know, I feel, it seems like I'm being a jerk, but let's be, let's be honest, like, I mean, Smith's had an 11-year career all through the 90s. And, um, you know, they could never get it done against the Bulls. And, like, the Bulls didn't have, like, good centers. So, Smith's, if he was actually really good, he would have dominated. But he wasn't really good, let's be honest. And when it came time to actually, like, see what you can do, he basically got, like, you know, kicked off the court by Shaq. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Shaq backed him down and treated him like, um, yeah, like a redheaded stepchild, basically. Yeah, I think Shaq just folded it up, folded him up into a basketball and threw him into the garbage can in the freaking locker room. <laughs> <laughs> so I hate to be a jerk throwing like tons of shade on Rick, but come on, man. I mean, honestly, like. <laughs> and he, it wasn't even Rick spelled R-I- C, like K E yeah, yeah, they missed they missed the they forgot about the C. Come on, dudes. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> okay, so my next one is Luka Doncic. Um so Luka Magic is something you're born with. Uh Luka reminds me a lot <laughs> of a European version of Charles Barkley. Uh okay. he could miss he could miss some threes and he he could be average through the game through the beginning of the game. But at the end, he would drain threes and drag his team kicking and screaming over the finish line. And just like Barkley on the Dream Team, if you put the right people or the right pieces around him, uh, he would be unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you got Luke at number five? I do, yeah, yeah. Okay. For number yeah. number yeah. five. Uh, he's, he's no Rick Smith, but, uh, you know, he really uh, – No, no, he actually has a nice haircut. <laughs> i don't know like nobody uh so yeah okay do you want to do your top five or what are we doing uh, here? yeah let me do my top five here okay. uh so i'm gonna start with dirk Nowitzki. Okay. uh even though uh he's not my uh he's not my starting number four if i if i had to choose outside of uh foreigners basically uh, if I had to choose from foreigners, then Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, he'd be my number four starting guy. Uh, he, he's he's really good. So he's my he's my number one. Uh, hailing from Germany, of course. Fourteen-time uh, All-Star, uh, 2011 NBA champion, 2011 Finals MVP, totally deserved. Uh, 2006, 2007, uh, so two th- sorry, 2007 MVP, uh, which he deserved that year. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, he averaged 21 points, eight rebounds and two assists for his career. And I love that he spent 20 years in Dallas. I think that's really cool. Um, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole loyalty thing. I, I do respect loyalty, but I also in the exact same amount respect players that are not loyal because guess what? Teams are often not loyal, so uh, good on the players like LeBron or Kevin Durant or anybody else you want to throw out there that hasn't been quote-unquote loyal because at the end of the day, uh, if a team treats you really well and they pay you really well and they do their best to surround you with really good players and give you a chance to win, then staying loyal is maybe easier, I guess. Um, not that Kevin Durant didn't have some good players around him, not that LeBron didn't have some good players around him, but they weren't good enough. And so that's why Durant and LeBron bounced, which is totally respectable. But uh, good on Dirk Nowitzki for staying loyal to Dallas because it is kind of a cool thing to spend, you know, your whole career with one team, win a championship, and, uh, you know, kind of say goodbye to everybody and, uh, you know, be like one of the most beloved athletes uh, in your city. You know, people joke around on podcasts saying, like, is it who's the most beloved uh, athlete in uh, in sports history in Dallas? Is it is it Emmett Smith or is it Dirk Nowitzki? You know, it's like it's it's Dirk Nowitzki, man. Emmett Smith, get out of here. <laughs> so. So, yeah, I love Dirk uh, and he definitely deserves my number one spot. So for for um, for just uh, my own personal um, knowledge. Why would you pick, uh, let's say just out of, um, because we already mentioned this, Tim Duncan or Kevin Garnett before Nowitzki on a team? Uh, because Kevin, uh, sorry, Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan, they, uh, well, here's the funny thing. Like, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, he has a good three, he had a good three-pointer. He had a good, uh, you know, one foot uh, step back, which was good. But Tim Duncan actually averaged more than him for his career, uh, mm-hmm. point points wise. So obviously Tim Duncan is pretty good offensively, and then Tim Duncan is really good defensively and so smart and what we would refer to as an anchor of your defense. Kevin Garnett is also an anchor for your defense, and Kevin Garnett probably had similar averages. I can't see them right now, but it's okay. Uh, Kevin Garnett probably had similar averages in terms of points, rebounds, assists uh, to Dirk Nowitzki. But once again, Kevin Garnett is an awesome defensive player. So you have like you have like Duncan and Garnett who are like probably equal, maybe better than Dirk Nowitzki on offense, even though they don't have the three. Uh, but on defense, they are like levels above Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Um... I guess I guess where where I kind of uh, can you know verge off or um, branch off into into something else would be um, I, I looked into like a lot of the older uh, way back in the 50s 60s when basketball um, was first started as a league a lot of the teams and players would all shoot and they and they'd make four for four field goals five for five field goals they never missed uh, that some players would go a whole game like that. And I always thought Nowitzki was more in that mold. Like he would, he would shoot and he wouldn't miss sometimes. And I found like a lot of the newer school uh, people, for some reason, it just seems like they can miss more than half their shots and be totally happy with their performance. Yeah, Dirk couldn't miss. How did he do, how did he do in 2008 against the Warriors? <laughs> okay, okay next, <laughs> next player. 
All right. So number two, I got Mr. Pau Gasol. So Pau Gasol got my number two spot. Uh, so he's uh, coming in from Spain. Uh, yes. Two-time, two-time NBA champion, 2009-2010 uh, with Kobe and a collection of other dudes. Uh, yeah. Six-time, six-time All-Star. Uh, rookie of the year back in 2002, uh, averaged 17 points, nine rebounds, three assists. Um, and Pau Gasol to me for a couple years, like, you know, he would have been considered like one of the best, uh, big men in the league. Um, offensively, he was very gifted and he was definitely a good compliment to Kobe. And, uh, defensively, he was pretty good. Like he wasn't, he wasn't amazing on defense, but he was good enough. And uh, just offensively, he brought a lot to the table with his, uh, you know, his long range jumper. Uh, he could do a lot of stuff inside. And he's a very smart and crafty player, in my opinion. And outside of the NBA, of course, uh, him and his brother, uh, they played a lot of great games for the Spanish team. You know? Yeah, I don't put a lot of stock into the, the Spanish team, but you're right. I mean, they did do amazing. I think they won quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So Pau Gasol gets my number two, um, and Tony Parker gets my number three. So interesting thing about Tony Parker, he was actually born in Belgium. Okay. Yeah. And uh, something else kind of cool about Tony Parker when I was uh, doing a little research on him. So mm-hmm. his dad, his dad actually uh, played uh, for what was the. What was the name of the school? It was in Chicago. Oh, his dad played for Loyola University in Chicago, and then he okay. went on to play. He went on to play professional basketball overseas, and that's where yeah. Tony Parker was born. Okay. Um, and Tony Parker's mother was actually Dutch, so she might have uh, she might have hooked up with Rick Smith's mother or father <laughs> at some point. Um, so uh, yeah, Tony Parker's mother was Dutch. And her mother, so Tony Parker's grandmother, was a national tennis champion, which is pretty cool to me. Well, that must be why Tony was so good at basketball. Yeah, and Tony's great uncle was actually an Olympic gold medalist in rowing. (laughs) Oh, I love rowing. I think rowing is an incredible sport. Um, Yeah, so a lot of cool things about Parker. But uh, yeah, so Parker was born in Belgium, but then later he was actually a a French-slash-American citizen. And, uh, you know, as, as most people know, four-time NBA champion uh, in, NBA, in the NBA Finals in 2007. He was the MVP uh, over the guy we were talking about, Duncan. Uh, Parker was a six-time All-Star. He averaged 16 points, three rebounds, six assists, which is really good considering that the Spurs have, were always, in all their history with the big three, uh, they were always such an unselfish team. Like, who's got the best? Who's going to have the best shot? Keep moving the ball. Keep moving the ball. So, for Tony Parker to average 16 uh, points and six assists, that's pretty good for a team that's all about finding the best shot and all about sharing the ball. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like Tony Parker, he was the ultimate hockey assist guy. Like he passed it yeah. to one person who would give it to the corner who would get an awesome uh, attempt at a three. So I really, they've asked for many years, do you think they should have the hockey assist in basketball? And I really think they should. I think you, you'd see a lot more unselfishness and you'd see a lot more free-flowing basketball if you did give credit for those uh, people who made the extra pass. Yeah, then maybe Westbrook wouldn't be such a ball hog. Yeah. Okay, I'm, let's I'm see here. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so number four. No, I, actually, he doesn't pass at all. Um, so, 
Let's see. And uh, one last thing on Tony Parker, because I'm not sure if you mentioned it. He was most notably married to Eva Longoria. Yeah, I don't really give any respect for that. Nobody wrote that. All right. Well, moving on. Well, I just I think he actually probably could have got somebody hotter and probably does have somebody hotter now. I mean, Eva Longoria, she was she was an attractive girl. But uh, I don't know. I read some stories, and then when they broke up or something, I heard that she was she was a little bit crazy. Uh, so yeah, we'll stop there. Uh, okay, so we got number four. My number four is Drazen Petrovic. Okay. And uh, so um, he was from Croatia, and as you mentioned, uh, he was killed in a car accident in 1993 at the age of 28. Okay. Um, so yeah, his best two years were in New Jersey, uh, where he averaged more than 20 points a game on like 52, 53% shooting. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so he was an awesome player. And of course, uh, of course he played, uh, three years when he was 22, 23 and 24, he was playing in Yugoslavia and Spain. And he was probably doing pretty well over there. It's hard to get stats and a lot of stuff from over there. But he was probably playing pretty well there, as Nesterovic pointed out. And, uh, yeah, Petrovic was just an awesome player. So he's my number four. Okay. And uh, number five, I have Mr. Detlef Shrimp. And, oh, okay. uh, you know, he was from Germany. And uh, not a lot of people might know this, but uh, – Kevin McHale was the first player to get back-to-back uh, six-man awards in the 80s. Um, uh, and the six-man award didn't start till 80 or 81. So anyway, Kevin McHale got back-to-back uh, in 83, 84, something like that. Okay. Uh, so he was the first player to get back-to-back six-man. But uh, Detlef, wow. Shrimp was, Detlef Shrimp was the first foreign player to get back-to-back six-man uh, in 91, 92, in 91 and 92, uh, he was a six man with Indiana and he was the first, uh, foreign player to get back to back, uh, six man awards. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I always felt like with that Shrimp, they, they forced him to play backup power forward. And he, to me, he was never a, he was always a really awesome small forward because he had that height. He had six ten. he had the reach, he could block shots, but then he had an amazing wing, like shot from the wing and you go, okay. If you had him as starting small forward through almost his whole career, they would have developed him so properly, like bring him off the bench and as a power forward. I really felt it stunted and and it probably um, impeded his growth. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And the last thing I'll say about Detlef Shrimp, and this is uh, this is a pretty uh, crazy thing to say, uh, you know, but uh, I think he was actually the best player on the original NBA Jam. I said it. <laughs> He was definitely up there. I'm sorry, man. I have to go with Carl Malone and John Stockton because Carl's grabbing those boards and Stockton's hitting the outside shot. So, I mean, you know, it's pretty hard when you got two again, you know, but yeah, as a, as a single player, yeah, I'll give it to, I'll give it to shrimp. Where is his, it, the proper pronunciation is shrimp, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think he'd get mad at you if you said it wrong. He seems like a really cool dude, man. Actually, you might not know, you might not know about this show, but it's called Parks and Recreation. <laughs> and, uh, one of my favorite with, shows of all time, uh, yeah, if, that, with, if that helps. Yeah, with Amy Poehler and, uh, it's all about Indiana and he actually does a, he's actually in one of the episodes because he lives in Indiana, you know, yeah. he, he loved, he loved Indiana. And so he actually yeah. stayed in Indiana and lived there. And uh, he was in one of the episodes, and he was a really funny dude, man. He just seems really cool. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Um, you know, Drew, a lot of the people that I pick, not only on this list, but I'm going to say my all-world team, and anybody that I'm usually saying is my favorite, they have to be great people. Like, I see them in interviews. They talk about their family, and they talk about their background, and um, just how important their whole team and their whole community is to them. That's usually why they're my – and all that is part of why they're my favorite players. Like, it, it, yeah. it, isn't so, it isn't so much what they do on the court, although what they do on the court does help. Um, yeah. so, so move, you, mo- moving on to my go number, ahead with your number six there. Yeah, I got, uh, Nikola Jokic. I know he's a little bit, um, more of a new guy, but I, I thought I'd include him. So I got, uh, the Joker as his nickname given to him by teammate, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Miller, um, which I think suits him perfectly. Uh, the backdoor passes, pinpoint assists, and lead passes make his whole team laugh all the way to the NBA playoffs. He really elevates the Denver Nuggets, and although he can score and rebound, if he is allowed to play uh, free-flowing basketball, uh, his team can beat anyone, I believe. Yeah, well, I would say that his team, when it had Jamal Murray, had a really good chance of beating anyone or everyone, but now I don't think so much. They'll make a little bit of noise in the playoffs, but without Jamal Murray, they don't have enough firepower. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I I think I'd agree with you, yeah. But it'd be great great if they pulled it out. Michael Porter's really uh, stepping up right now. Well, I mean, the positive thing there is Michael Porter has this year and this playoffs included to grow and be more mature. And then next year when Jamal comes back, they'll have, you know, what a lot of people you could call the big three because Michael Porter is making a lot of noise. Yep. And if Aaron Gordon fits in, he seems to be a little bit awkward. But if he can fit in, he, he would definitely help them, at least on defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my next one, uh, which I think you'll like, is Detlef Shrimp. And I, it is pronounced shrimp at the end. Uh, I was just being playful earlier there. Okay, so his nickname was the Grand Teuton. And I have no idea why. Um, anyway, uh, he could play defense, pass, and uh, he could handle the ball. Oh, and as confident, um, I'm very confident. Uh, he's very sharp on the court. If he needed a shot... Uh, taken from the wing, there are a few people I would trust more. So he was, yeah, he was pretty. Uh, not to not to um, say too much about him, but he was a very good player. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next on my list is I think number seven uh, is Haydu Turkulu. Uh, I nicknamed him because he didn't have a nickname. I couldn't find it anywhere. Was the Turkish tornado? Mm. I thought would be a good or a horrible one. Uh, was. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to ask him. I mean, if he doesn't like it, then we couldn't call him that. Uh, he was a great uh, fourth quarter producer. Um, not many were better from distance, and he had a great handles. Um, if I had a sixth man or a backup point guard, like um, I'd, I'd pick him every time. I think he was. I'd, he's just somebody I would have a lot of confidence in. Okay. Okay. Can, moving along here, I think I'm at number eight. I got Vladi Divots. Um, Nobody could play the high post better than him and Chris Webber. Their passing um, and timing was off the charts. The King, uh, the Kings, Vladi Divas played on were all, there were always underdogs to the Lakers. Um, I always felt if they had another superstar, they might've been able to uh, go the whole way, but I mean, it was a long time ago. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is an interesting one. I got Arvita Sabonis. Now, um, he came to the NBA 10 years after he was playing professionally. So um, I'm assuming, you know, but before Portland and the injuries, he looked. So I watched some videos on him when he was playing. And he looked like a better passing version of David Robinson blocking shots with and with three-point range. It's actually really impressive to see what he was able to do back then. Um, yeah. I don't think he could jump as high as Robinson, but I mean, he was doing alley-oops, catching it off the rim. So it's, he definitely had some hops. Um, it was unheard of back then. Uh, or I've got uh, kind of a question for you. Do you think maybe big men were told never to shoot threes? Uh, I wouldn't say that big men weren't told to shoot threes back in the day, if you want to say that. I would say that big men were usually not near the three-point line, so shooting wasn't even an option. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Like, if you you think about it, like, if you think about big men, like, in the 80s and 90s, like, they would be, like, within 10 to 12 feet of the basket, right? Like, you wouldn't wouldn't see them out there. And if they even went, like, to the top of the key to uh, do a pick and roll – uh, you know, they would, they would probably either be looking for the offensive rebound or trying to create some distractions. So they would have to come closer to the net, you know? Yeah, it's a good point. Like, uh, it seemed like they focused a lot more on position back then. And it seems like today's NBA doesn't really know that how important a position is or for a player to be like, like you say, like if somebody's really tall, they should be looking for the offensive rebound. If that person's out of three point line, you're never going to get that offensive rebound. And then no, and and some teams actually, I've I've heard about this too. A lot of teams actually elect to just kind of not even go for the offensive rebound because it can jeopardize the stability of your defense. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair point. So I mean, uh, I don't know exactly like what teams or what the percentage is, but I've heard that many times on podcasts where guys will talk about like actually knowing that teams are being teams have already like said like we're not going to go for offensive rebounds because that will mess up our defense and we want to get back to set up our defense. That's more important than the offensive rebound because the percentages of offensive rebounds you get are low. So it's not really worth it according to them. Yeah. Unless you're David, unless you're uh, Dennis Rodman, unless you're Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Or uh, Tristan Thompson. (laughs) Hey, Tristan Thompson's got some game. Okay. So my number nine and I'm kind of, I kind of don't have many after that uh, three or four to round it out. Um, is Zilgunas Ilgoskis. Uh, he was the big Z for the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James. Um, he could score, shoot, rebound, and block shots. He could pull, pull out uh, one or two magical passes every game. He made the all-star team, and then the Cavs drafted LeBron James, and they made the playoffs in 2007. To this day, uh, LeBron tells people – that uh, he still looks for tall teammates because of the giant impact Big Z made not on only him, on LeBron, but on the city of Cleveland. Okay, sorry. Well, who was your number nine again? Uh, I think that was number ten. I'm looking at uh, Arvidas Sabonis. Arvidas was – no, Who your number eight was Turkaloo, right? No, I think my number eight was Divas. Uh, but let well, me just I don't tell want- you – Okay. Did you did you write them down? Uh, so you have Drazen number one, Dirk number two, Page number yeah. three, Smith's number four, Luca yeah. number five. That's right. Jokic number six. That's right. Yeah. Detlef number seven. Yeah. Turkaloo number eight. Yes. And then I thought you said Divas was. Oh, Divas. 
number nine. Uh, Ivana Sabonis is ten. Okay, so yeah, Big Z is eleven. Uh, okay, Elgoskis is eleven. Okay, I just wanted to yes. Sure. So, uh, the only people I have left, I have Marcus Saul, uh, honorable mention, um, just because you know he did win a, a champion uh, championship with Toronto, and he's a great, great defender. Um, pretty good cerebral player, but not the best, you know, and, and they'll play a long shot. Um, you got Tony Kukoc. Uh, he had three um, three championships with uh, the Bulls, even though he kind of came off the bench. He was their third best scorer, so he was really good. Um, he made uh, Jordan, yeah. So he was <laughs> definitely good. Okay. <laughs> And I, yeah, and that's about it because three or four people got marked off because you'd already mentioned them. So, okay, so I'll give you my uh, my six through ten. So okay. my number six is Peja Stoyakovich okay. because uh, I really, I really do. I, I always liked Peja. I thought he was great on the Kings, and I'm happy that he kind of got his championship in 2011 with the Mavs. Um, even though he was obviously, you know, uh, on the back nine, I think he was actually on the 17th or 18th hole at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, good, good for him to get the chip. Uh, he was a three time all-star and I think he deserved all of those all-star appearances. Um, and he, you know, he averaged 17 points, five rebounds, two assists for his career, which is pretty good. Uh, so yeah, I, I always, uh, I always liked, uh, Stoyakovich and I think it was kind of cool how Pau Gasol and Stoyakovich had the same number, which was 16. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you can say this is irrelevant, but I mean, I'm, wa- I watched a lot of those games and you got Mike Bibby was the second or third choice on offense. Stoyakovich was the fourth at best. Weber and Divac always were allowed to shoot before. So, I mean, you know. Chris Webber's one of my favorite players of all time, but when you've got somebody that calls a timeout at the end of the final four and he never does much clutch uh, play in the, in the NBA, it's really strange to me that you would, you would trust him more in the fourth quarter than Stojakovich. Yeah. I don't know about that Webber guy. <laughs> um, so my number seven is Arvita Sabonis. And like you mentioned, he came to the NBA late. He was 31 years old uh, when he came to the NBA and uh, I was reading about that. And uh, so there was some control over Lithuania from the USSR at the time uh, in the 80s and a little bit of the 90s. And so it's unfortunate that uh, Sabonis couldn't come earlier. But, you know, what's done is done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was a great player. Uh, I read some I read an article uh, saying that, uh, yeah, his defense was like, you know, as good as David Robinson's and his offense was to be considered, you know, better than Patrick Ewing in the post. So, you know, he, he was a special player. Unfortunately, he didn't get to show those skills in the NBA, but, you know, he still had a good career uh, overseas and uh, they won the Olympics in 1988, I believe. So, you know, good, good, good for him. Uh, now his son is playing. So that's cool. Um, so my number eight is actually the other Gasol brother, Mark Gasol. And, uh, so he's a three-time all-star and he deserved those, uh, 2013 defensive player of the year, uh, very cerebral player. Like you said, uh, averaged 14, seven rebounds and three assists for his career, which is really good, uh, for a big man. That's uh, really defensive minded. 
He did win a championship, but he actually didn't play a really big role in that championship, even though, like, I do, you know, respect people that did play, you know, a, a decent amount, you know. Um, but he, he didn't play a lot, a lot. But, you know, and the other thing is, I'll always say this. I want to say this on every podcast I have and every podcast that you have if it comes up. Uh, the Toronto Raptors would not have won that championship uh, if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson didn't go down. So even though Marcus Gasol got a chip, uh, they wouldn't have had that chip if it wasn't for crazy uh, injuries. Just just to be just to be honest. Yeah, uh, that's that's a fair point. I just think it's funny because Kyle Lowry has been like a couple times like uh, interviewers that asked him like. Do you think you would have won the the championship if uh, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson were there? And he gets like really upset, like to the point where he's like super angry. And it's like, dude, like just be honest. Like, why are you so delusional thinking that you could have beat that team if they had Durant and Thompson? Really? Like, are you well, that delusional? Here's the way I look at it: If you're nearing retirement and you get injured, and some team ends up beating you, that's just that's just how it went. That's that's like the thing that bothers me is uh, I look, I watch these videos and when Toronto was doing good, when you had OG and Siakam doing good, they didn't get any, any interviews. They didn't, they didn't celebrate them. But now that um, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook are in the 10th seed, they're celebrating that. They're saying like, that's a good thing. They're giving them all these interviews in airtime. Like why? I just don't, I get why, you know, if you knew, uh, if you met lots of people from the U.S. when I met them um, just on vacation, they would tell me. They'd say people above the border uh, all live in igloos. They, 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 have, they have polar bears up there. They really don't think much of everybody above the border, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah, that could definitely be part of it. Um, so my number nine, I have uh, Mr. Kukoc from uh, Croatia. He is a three-time champion, but let's be honest. He was like the third or fourth option um on that team uh he he was a good role player so good for him he was actually the 1996 six man of the year so that's good but he you know for his career he only averaged 12 points four rebounds four assists uh you know not nothing really crazy and actually you know when he went to when he went to uh philadelphia and then atlanta and then milwaukee he really wasn't much of a presence on those teams. And so I don't want to like throw shade at him, but you know, he was, he was just a role player on the bulls. So he doesn't deserve like that much respect for like, you know, being an awesome player in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was an integral part to winning. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. He was a good role player. Good role player. I, I Yeah. Like one of the best of all time. I, I can't even think of a better role player if you, if you really think about it. Because, okay, say, Jordan Pippen and Rodman were the best three players, the most impactful, because Rodman, um, um, he really affected the game in other ways. Um, his staggering numbers for rebounding were just were unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, Kufish was definitely the fourth best player, and that's not, that's not any small thing when you're winning um, championship um, back-to-backs. But I think I think right off the cuff, I would say Robert Ori was the best role player of all time. Big shot, Bob. Yeah, he won championships with three different teams, man. Like he was the best role player, in my opinion. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, and when the moment came, he was always one of the best. 
Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. To win championships with the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Lakers, you know, and know his role and know what he needs to do, like, you know. Yeah, from um, top of the key, there wasn't much better than him, that's for sure. Yeah. So uh, that's number nine. Number 10 is uh, the guy who had the beautiful mullet, uh, Rick Smiths. So um, what I'll say about Rick Smiths is uh, he had a really nice mullet, and uh, he was a pretty good player, and that's it. He made the mullet glamorous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, I forgot to mention, uh, I read this article about Turkaloo when I was doing research uh, yesterday. And uh, it's really funny how the person who wrote the article said that uh, he only produced when he was in Orlando. And yeah. the funniest thing about that is like when you look at the stats, it's really funny because it's true. He was actually <laughs> very good and productive when he was in Orlando for the first stint. And then yeah. he went to Toronto and he sucked really yeah. bad. <laughs> he was horrible. And then he went to Toronto. Phoenix. He went to Phoenix yeah. and he was a bum. And then yeah. he went back to and then he went back to Orlando and he wasn't like amazing, but he was like okay again. Yeah. And so it was just really weird, man. Like I don't know. I don't I don't really like Hedo that much because like I remember those days in Toronto and I think like he just kind of mailed it in and he took a big paycheck and I didn't really respect him for that. Um and yeah, so yeah, I don't have a lot of respect for him. So he didn't make my top ten or my top twelve actually. Yeah, I mean, um, sometimes people let their physicality go and they stop going to the gym and all that. And so that, yeah. that might have been a factor. Yeah. So my number 11 and 12 with honorable mention, just because they're young bucks, are Jokic and Doncic, who if we do this five or six years from now, they're obviously going to be higher up on that list. I just wanted to, you know, pay some homage to some of the older dudes. Um, but yeah, Jokic and Doncic are definitely going to uh, – supersede and probably already superseded uh, a lot of these guys because uh, Jokic is already a two-time, uh, sorry, a three-time All-Star and he probably will be the MVP this year and uh, and then you have uh, Luka Doncic he's already a two-time All-Star Rookie of the Year and he will definitely have a couple MVPs and whatever else he gets so those two guys will actually probably be number one, two, or three, something like that. Uh, if we do this five to seven years from now, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, if you count, um, uh, the Greek freak, um, as being, um, European then because he, I think he grew up there. Then you would think, okay, he's the only other one that's been an MVP in the league. I don't even think we, they've had an MVP yet. Sorry, say that again. Except Nowitzki was MVP. Oh, Nowitzki did get one MVP. Yeah, and then okay. and then Tony Tony Parker and Nowitzki got Finals MVP. But you're right, oh, not okay. league. Yeah, but Nowitzki did have a league MVP. Okay, so he only had one. So if anybody can get more than one, then they would pass him. Well, they wouldn't necessarily pass Nowitzki because I mean, look at Nowitzki's body of work is pretty impressive. Like you know, he did win a championship, fourteen time All Star, league MVP. So if Jokic, if Jokic wins one championship and gets like, you know, 11 or 12 or 13 uh, all-stars, that's good. But Nowitzki has 14. And if Jokic gets an MVP, well, that's good. But, you know, Nowitzki has one too. He won two? No, Nowitzki has one as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that if Luka or Doncic like gets an MVP, they get to like pass Dirk. You know, I would say that Dirk might still reign supreme depending on what you're looking at. So I think what we're what we're reaching for here is the greatest uh, European player of all time. 
Yeah, and I think right now it's Dirk, although it could be Luka or Jokic in the future, but I think right now it's Dirk, and when it comes time for Jokic and Doncic to hang it up, uh, did they did they did they exceed uh, Nowitzki's uh, accolades and blah blah blah? Maybe we'll see what happens. All right. Well, I think we can end it there. And yeah. uh, there's just one more thing I wanted to say okay. uh, before we say goodbye. So uh, Giannis, I don't consider Giannis to be a European player, and some people might not like this, but I'll back it up by saying that yes, Giannis was born in Greece. Um, but he was born to two Nigerian parents uh, who were immigrants from Nigeria. And actually, the first 18 years of Giannis's life, because of the uh, citizenship policies in Greece, for the first 18 years of Giannis's life, he was actually stateless. He was neither Greek nor Nigerian for 18 years. He was just kind of like, uh, Tom Hanks in the fucking terminal. <laughs> so that was such I, a good flick. Yeah, I, I, hey, I, I, I respect Giannis. I like Giannis, but yes, he was born in Greece, but his parents were both Nigerian, and he wasn't even a Greek citizen until he was like 19 years old, and then he left. <laughs> So yeah. it is weird. It is weird to call him Greek and for him to, to be like, oh, he's a European player. It's just weird, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of talent, but he's always down low and he's dunking. And he's really interesting to watch. I just don't think I don't think of him as the normal mold of the European player where he's got a lot of uh, passing and outside shooting that they yeah. usually exhibit. Yeah, so everything I said doesn't really make him quote unquote European, but, hey, but uh, and then and then his style of play also doesn't make him quote unquote European, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and if he wins one championship, I might change my tune a little bit. Nah, I wouldn't change my tune because facts are facts. You can't change the first 18 years of your life and the fact that you were Tom Hanks in the terminal. <laughs> Did so after 18 years he became Greek? Is that is that yeah, fair to say? After, yeah, okay. after 18 years, then he could uh, then he could become a, gr- a Greek citizen. But at that point, it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, you might as well just move to America and become an American citizen and, like, you know, just play in America. But, I mean, he does want to represent Greece uh, in the Olympics and stuff, and he has, which is cool. So good on him to show respect so- that he has for Greece, but it's just yeah. weird. I've been I've been to Greece and I didn't see any indication of basketball or any hoops or anything. Yeah, I mean him and his brothers are the only like, you know, decent Greece Greek basketball players, so I mean there's that. <laughs> yeah, Spain was the same. I didn't see any indication there as well. So it's interesting that these people come from there and they play, but uh like I'd have to visit France, seems like there's a lot of them, but I I never seen much indications maybe at the universities or I don't know. But yeah. Okay, sir. We'll uh, we'll sign off on that if that's cool with you. All right. Sounds good. All right. Have a great, great night. Okay. You have a great night, too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.